let's go to God in prayer right now, and then we'll jump into the Enneagram. Heavenly Father, God, uh, who is the creator of the universe, who loves us, who has infused each one of us with a portion of your image and identity. You who speak a message to this world by creating each one of us. You've given us eyes uh, to see in a particular way and ears to hear in a particular way. And you've set us in community with each other so that not only can we see and hear in the ways that you have privileged us to, but we can learn from the ways that others see and hear that we can't immediately do. And somehow you have created us whole and complete beings who interdependently and absolutely need each other. We pray that this morning we will go deeper into being able to understand ourselves and understand each other and understand the relationships that we have with each other as an expression of your image and your will and your mission on this earth. I pray that we'll see our similarities and differences as valid and meaningful, not being reduced to competition or comparison, but to take joy that others can see what we cannot. And through relationship, we could see that and what they see and hear. God, we take joy, the birth of Annie James Key, and we also grieve as Glenave Curtis has passed away. So we take joy and we grieve at the same time. And pray for those uh, who have the joy of new life, that they will cherish that new life. We pray for those who have great loss, that they will cherish the, the memories and the meaning, and that their ache and longing will help them lean into the anticipated resurrection that is our great joy, even when all other things are not joyful. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right. Set that over here. Get a sip of fuel. All right. I gotta get on my cheat sheet. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna ask a question, and I want you to raise your hand for one of the three answers. Okay. Um. I am highly confident that I know my Enneagram number. I am somewhat 
confident that I know my Enneagram number or I might not really know my Enneagram number. So it's a, all answers are acceptable. I'm just kind of getting a feel for where we're at. So uh, raise your hand if you're fairly confident that you know what your Enneagram number is. Okay, pretty good. All right. Raise your hand if you're like, mm, I'm not sure. All right. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, you got a couple? Okay, good. And, and uh, what was the other one? That was the third one, wasn't it? No. No, I don't, I don't know which, what's the Enneagram? I don't know which one. Okay, all right, so most people uh, know their number uh, fairly confidently in some, um, I'm not so sure. All right. Um, today, uh, we're gonna be talking about wings. A little bit and um, but before we do that I want to share I, I've had a relationship with the Enneagram that's I guess the way I'll talk about it a relationship with the Enneagram for a couple of years now I've read uh, I think I've read three books on it I've had tons of conversations on it and I've just kind of mentally explored my own number uh, on it. I had the privilege of being on a couple of podcasts talking about it. Um, so it's been something that's been not just on my radar for a while, but ha has been something I've really explored. Another thing you might need to know about me is I am a social scientist. I'm a professor at Lipscomb University. And uh, so I have the scientific hat that I wear and a way of knowing and learning uh, through uh, scientific methods uh, whether something is valid or not valid, whether something is true or not true, um, and, or truish or not truish. So um, the, the stance the kind of the posture I take with the Enneagram is um, there is not enough scientific um, inquiry into the Enneagram to for me to confidently say this thing is totally valid it's a hundred percent you know solid you should totally dive into this it's it's rock solid so my social scientists have uh, helps me to uh, be curious about it because there's no science that disproves it either. Um, so I'm intellectually curious about it. That's different uh, than having uh, a high degree of certainty that this is the way to be the world. What I find, uh, I think, is a better question than asking is it true? Is asking can this can this construct of the Enneagram lead to uh, some inquiry about myself and about other people that I maybe could not have otherwise done? To that I feel very confident that it it leads to questions that could not have otherwise been said. So I find it useful, um, and when I think about the difference between is it true or is it useful, 
I don't really care about this unless it's found to be completely untrue, then I care about it a lot. Thus far, I find it extraordinarily useful. I have seen it help people come to a full, fuller awareness and acceptance of themselves. I've seen it help people come to a fuller awareness and acceptance of other people. Um, and uh, not just other people in general, other people in marriages, other people who are uh, their dating partner, other people who are their close friends, other people who are their co-workers, other people who are their children, parents. So um, having an awareness of, hey, this is a way a person could be, and it's very different than me, um, helps to allow for acceptance of the difference. So when the Enneagram is working its best, it 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 widens the, I, I don't think it's very, uh, I, I think it widens the acceptance of, of difference when it's working well. Poorly done, uh, it uh, labels people and ranks which numbers are the good ones and which ones aren't the good ones and, and so forth. So um, there's dangers to it. Uh, used poorly. Okay, so I want to uh, I want to take you through. This is one of my favorite things to do. This may drive you nuts. It's okay. You don't even have to participate. For those who are willing, I want to take you through a um, a visualization that might help give a, a frame uh, for the enneagram, and then it'll lead into the wings. Okay, so. Uh, when I do visualizations, I invite, I don't require, I invite you to close your eyes. So if you want to, that's fine. If you think that's a little creepy, that, you don't have to close your eyes. But I would invite you to, and as you close your eyes, I want to invite you to just um, relax. Just relax. And... Um, Maybe take a slow, deep breath in. Slow inhale, slowly. Let it fill up your lungs. Even fill up your stomach a little bit. And hold that. And then as slowly as it came in, let it go out. Slow exhale. And I want to invite you to do that again. Slow inhale. Fill you up inside. Let it stretch you a little bit physically. And when you're full, slowly let that out. Now as I continue to talk, I want to invite that breathing pattern, that different rhythm, that little bit deeper breathing to continue. Everything's better with more oxygen. And as your body continues to uh, bless itself with more oxygen, I want to transport you to a really special place. There is this house that is built in the mountains of Colorado. 
built on the side of a mountain. And it's a really nice, it's a big house. And one of the rooms in this house is a really special room. And it's kind of off, uh, a little bit separate from the, the rest of the house, but you're, you're in this really amazing room. And you're standing in this room, even though you're not really sure how you got there, you're pretty glad that you're there. And you're looking out this window that you're standing in front of, and you can see outside the window. What you see is pretty, pretty amazing. But what you notice is there are other people in this room. They're not looking out your window, but they're looking out a window. that 
neither of you can believe because their window isn't even looking into the air, it's looking into a cave inside the mountain. And there's crystals down there. And there's rock formations. And all nine of you 100% tell the truth about how you, what you see and what you see from the same room. And all of you see something very different. All different. All true. Okay. want to invite you to come back to this room. That doesn't have nice windows in it. Um, if, if you fell asleep and now you're feeling modest shame, that's okay. That, that you probably needed it. So that's, no, no shame is necessary. Okay. Alright. So, any reflections on this visualization? Any, any revelation? Any help? Or, wow, that was lame. Critical feedback is also welcome. Every uh, every number has subtypes. Every number has wings. 
but uh, the subtypes are kind of inside of each number and the wings are outside of each number to uh, one number to lower and one number higher. Um, or next to it on the on the Enneagram. And um, the, the wings end up being a, an important thing as you think about uh, your life over time. So uh, Richard Rohr talks about the wings as uh, something that you're maybe capable of but as you grow in your number you are better able to see how I could be one wing or the other and some would argue and I, I think I would agree with this one is that you can grow uh, and grow your wings if I'm having a vision of that one um, X-Men where the angel is going to grow the wings and um, it, it's a little creepy to me. Cool, but creepy. Um, you can develop this potential inside of you um, as you grow and mature. And I, and I like that because um, if you think developmentally, when you're, when you're a child, uh, maybe up through uh, mid-teens, it's going to be hard to even know your number. You're, there's so many uh, factors going on and uh, so many things are going to um, affect what patterns you develop, what, how do you respond to things, whether it's a, a great, wonderful, exciting thing or a traumatic, difficult, challenging thing, uh, or how do you respond to the mundane, you know, uh, parts of life. But then when you get into your late teens, into your 20s, uh, that's really kind of prime time for figuring out your number. What, you know, how, how am I, which number do I lean toward the most? What's, and, and so that sort of discovery, and if that were the end of it, then it would be um, maybe not much to look forward to. Like I lean toward being a nine, well, I figured that out when I was 26, so what's next? Uh, boredom forever. No, um, where's my growth come from there? And, and I think part of where that comes from is kind of taking on faith and trust in the Enneagram that the possibility that as an eight, as a, as a nine, I've got some eight in me that I could develop and grow. And I've got some one in me that I could develop and grow. So, Richard Rohr would say, in your second half of life, you may be developing uh, one or both of these wings and, and uh, uh, set, setting some intentional energy to explore what it is like to uh, engage the motivations of those types. Okay, so I'm going to make a statement, and I, I want to see who uh, who might resonate with this a little bit. So I lean toward a, an Enneagram nine. So I I'm a I'm a 
very, very gifted conflict avoider. Uh, I'm often very, very peaceful and I'm actively trying to see things from multiple sides as a way to not have conflict, okay? So there's that motivation. I'm, I'm, it's, it's up and running all the time. And one of my two wings is the eight, who is concerned with, first, I'm going to set the boundaries for my life. And if you happen to get in the way of that, you shouldn't have done that. If you get yourself hurt on my boundaries, well, that's not on me, that's on you. Um, because I need a safe place to establish my ground first. Eights have no problem with confrontation. In fact, they will engage it not to hurt you, though you might end up hurt because you got yourself hurt, right? That's how an eight would think about it. Because um, they're not intentional about hurting anybody. Um, how in the world could that be my wing when I'm actively doing what seems to be the exact opposite of the eight? So for me, that is a not an obvious part of the nine to think about the eight. It seems like the it seems like the most opposite it could possibly be of any of the other numbers. So let me ask you this: For those of you who know your number or think you know your number, have you ever looked at the wings and thought, "How could that be my wing? It's the opposite of me." You ever so raise your hand if you ever thought that. Okay, all right. So what what uh, what number do you lean toward? Seven. Seven. And wing six is like. Okay. Seems to be the opposite of that. Okay, so tell us, uh, give us a couple characteristics of, like, maybe a little story of how your seven shines. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, I just want to do a lot of things. So, um, uh, like, one example of, like, taking risks just because I think it's going to be enjoyable. I'm planning on going whitewater rafting with my dad um, in, on the Chattooga River. And it's like class four and five rapids later this summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What's a class four? What's That's, a class five? So class five is the like, craziest rapids, like of the scale. It goes one through five. I think. Okay. This is the most challenging. Yeah. I rapids there are. Okay. I haven't whitewater rafted in like five years. Okay. All right. So class five. Um, this is like one stage. The next stage is Niagara Falls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. You're, how do you feel about doing this? I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's hold it right there. If you're a six, raise your hand. Okay. All right. You, you're going with him, whitewater rafting, <laughs> class five. <laughs> okay. What were you hearing when he was talking about this awesome class five rapids? Well, I've been whitewater Okay. Like it's fun, but not what I would choose for fun. Right. <laughs> it seems more dangerous than fun. How many thoughts of death come to your mind when you think of whitewater rafting at a class five? Right. A lot. A lot of thoughts of death. 
Um, thoughts of death for most people are not awesome thoughts. You know, I say, it's like, this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be like, if there were class six, I would do that. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Okay. And you're like, can we just, like, can we kayak on the Duck River? In fact, there's still water. Can we just look at videos of people kayaking on the Duck River? That's probably the safest. So, how in the world could you be right next to a six? Right? Doesn't make any sense. All right. Uh, what, what's your number? Nine. You're a nine. Okay. So, what questions do you have about your eight and your one wings? So, just kind of what you were talking about with the eight. Um, just like how, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I kind of echo what you were saying. Um, I, I feel the nine a lot, but I um, don't really feel my eight wing very much. Sure. Okay. Uh, it, it almost doesn't make. Yeah. Like, how do you have the energy to intentionally have conflict with other people? Yeah. Okay, I think where's the hand back here? Yeah. What's your number? Three. Three. So which which are both are are make no sense to you that it would be right next to you? Two. Two. Okay, so uh, give us a, a a piece of your three, and then how does a two not make sense? Uh, well, the three for me is, is I can blend into anything. Okay. Yeah. But my second strongest is seven and eight, so I have more of a tendency to flip to the other side of the. Enneagram than I do to the two next to me. Right. So that's what makes it unusual. I can be individualistic, which is the four. Um, uh, the two, I, I have some of those traits also, but they don't dominate. They're ranked really. Like they're if you were to rank all your. If, I, if you look at the scale, they would be in a 10 percentile. Sure. Whereas I'm 90% three and 80% eight. Yeah. And then follow by seven. Right. So the other two are very slow. So it's, it's just one of those ones of like, okay, where does these fit in? Mm -hmm. If I follow the Enneagram, because I have more of a thing to flip across the Enneagram to try to break. The spontaneity is part of my three. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the part that gets me uh, much stronger tendencies to go across the Enneagram mm -hmm. than I do to the wings next time. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, so there's, this is unusual, there's, uh, uh, so the sixes and the sevens are right next to each other, that doesn't make sense. Eights and the nines are next to each other, uh, that doesn't make, uh, uh, the fours and the fives are next to each other. The highly, deeply, never met an emotion you didn't want to accentuate fours and I want to be level-headed, just the facts. Uh, what are all the facts about everything? I'm gonna inquire about this fives. Uh, e emotions are not credible data. I need just the facts, right? Those are right next to each other. Multiple numbers have what seems to be the opposites. So, uh, let me ask this question. Have you looked at the wings and thought, okay, of course, yes, I'm this, I lean this way, but of course this wing is gonna be there. Uh, it makes total sense to me. So it's the opposite question. 
Have you seen a wing that you're like, yeah, of course that's that. Yeah. So what's what number do you lean for? I'm a two. Okay. Um, and I mean, I see both sides. I think I went the opposite. I think he was saying, you know, as you get older, like you, you spread your wings out. I think my wings were there from a really young age, and I think I went like in, mm. protected, and went to two. Because I'm an achiever, but I'm also a perfectionist, so I can't do achieve when people can't see that I'm like the most amazing person that's ever existed. That I don't want to do it at all because that's my perfectionist, mm -hmm. and so then I can control people. Like right. I'm really good at helping people, and I can like I can shine in that way, or I can be perfect in that way. Yeah. And so I hold in. Okay. So, so I can see where those all relate yes. for me personally. Okay, so it, it, it makes a lot of sense to you. Yeah. And you've got, we could probably sit and you could tell stories here. Here's when I was living in my, my this wing. Here's when I was living in that right. wing. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? That, that identifies with your wing? Yeah. Um, okay, so while there's a lot of things about three I identify with, I'm an eight. Mm. And so conversely to you, I can totally see mine. Strong diplomatic skills, but as, as great as it is for it to be peaceful, it's more about mainstream. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's more about if I can get everybody in this group to agree, if I can reach a smooth transition into this, then the objective will be achieved. And will be, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of a pragmatic approach. Um, but I can see seven also because I love a good time. I'd go down the five route. <laughs> you know, just yep. yeah. I'm a, I definitely love five. Yeah. Um, so I kind of identify with them, even though there are, and it's funny because we both, I think I think he really is a three that can be an eight, and I really am an eight that identifies a lot with a three. Sure. But the seven and the nine, I can totally see that I can leverage both of those, or I can kind of be drawn to those in certain situations. Yeah. She's Does that make sense? She's going to be an eight that's diplomatic. Mm -hmm. If I'm an eight, it's because I want the job done, because I want to move on to the next one. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm an achiever, it's like, job done, let's move to the next one. I'm going to become an eight because there's a void, I'm like, I want the job done because I want the next project. Yeah. So, yeah, we would flip in the sense that she's going to do it, but she's going to do it in a diplomatic way. I'm not going to be diplomatic. <laughs> so it's going to be, yeah. I'm going to get the job done but and I, move on. But I also think early in life, I think I was recognizing some of the eight factors that can really kind of go awry. And so, I, such as what what could go awry with the name? Run over people. Mm, okay. And I could run over people, and it was like I had to be conscious to say, okay, so that's not. Such as up paper bags. You're not going to think that was a private story. Um, but I could I could get so focused that I would just run over the people. Right. Yeah. And I realized pretty early on, like, okay, that's not a recipe for success. I'm not going to achieve the end if I do that. And it's like I had to rein myself. In. Yeah. 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 Um, but again, that's part of how we're growing through this stages of life. So in my twenties, I was seeing that and consciously said, I, I didn't know it in these terms, but I knew what it was. And I had to consciously say, that's not the person I want to be. And I had to kind of make myself do something different. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I didn't just go off the rails. <laughs> that, th I, I think that's good because that, that, uh, that speaks to, uh, 
I think there's probably maturity levels with each number as well as health levels. Um, and I, I don't necessarily correlate those, even though they may look similar. Um, uh, the cure to maturity is become more, you know, immaturity is to become more mature. The cure to uh, unhealthy is to become more healthy. So you could be mature and then hit an unhealthy dip. Um, but that that kind of uh, being able to step back from yourself and your number and self-observe uh, is important because then you in this I get, I think I said because I think nines do this uh, instinctively um, to to self-observe and and look at others. But I think that's probably what maybe a, the invitation that the nine gives to everyone is is try that step back and not just see your number but see see the wings beside it. Um, I have no idea what time it is. Almost time. So I, I want to. Um, eight's the hardest for me. So this is how I know there's eight in me. And this is the pathway through which I want to explore eight. And then the next couple of weeks, we'll do some more wing um, uh, explorations. When I was um, uh, a teenager, we, we had family turmoil in my family. I uh, had an older brother, younger sister, uh, parents who were in conflict with each other a lot. Older brother's pretty um, uh, rebellious might be too strong, but, but unafraid of conflict. Um, a younger sister who uh, could create a scene and I'm the nine. So there's like it seems like there's chaos about me and I'm actively trying to be invisible in my own family and so I'm pretty good at it but in a family such as the one I grew up which that sounds like I grew up in a horrible family they're great great people but this was the way it was and I, I was having a, a, a conflict that I could not get out of and I, you know, I, you know, I'm always actively trying to like, how could this not be a conflict? There's got to be some way this won't be a conflict, which is at some point turns into pathology. Um, there's conflict. It's upon you. Deal with it. But I wasn't dealing with it. I was just the conflict that was between me and the other person. I was just absorbing it and absorbing it and absorbing it. I was taking it in, taking it in. Finally, I went downstairs. I had to get out of it. And I was so angry. But I was unaware the extent to which I was angry. Because inside me, I've got this huge um, container where when, when com I just throw it in there. It's like made of iron and it's really strong and it's really big. So I just, all the conflicts, all the anger, I just throw it in there, all the emotion. I just throw it in there. And, and it's strong, but some, sometimes it's not big enough and sometimes it's not strong enough, and it comes out. And in this instance, 
it came out. I was downstairs, and the way my brother tells the story is, um, Chris, we saw you go downstairs, and then a couple minutes later, we heard a noise that caused the rest of us to come downstairs to see what happened. And what we saw was you with a blank stare on your face looking at the wall with a hole in it. And so we asked you what happened and with with still the blank stare all you all you could muster up was fists of fury. It was a reference to the Bruce Lee movie. But also, I had punched a hole in the wall because I was so angry and did not know what to do with it. Uh, nines do not do anger well at all. Eights have anger up and running and accessible, if necessary, to accomplish this goal or to set this boundary and to access this. Um, so, I, as a nine, look at that, I could easily say, anger is not my thing, I'm clumsy with it, I'm bad with it, I'm unaware. The reality is, I have access to what the eights have access to all the time, and through actively growing and maturing and exploring how could I better access this piece of what the eights do very well, that's growing my wing. So it's not just looking at an eight as if they're not me. It's finding what do they do well that I do terrible and enter into it intentionally. That's, that's where I see the opposite, which many of the numbers wings is, have an opposite to them. When it seems the most counterintuitive is probably the place you need. That's like, ding, 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 go there. Because that's where the growth needs to happen. I'm not going to be as good of a nine for the rest of the world if I can't, if I can't put a little spigot on this vat of seething, undifferentiated emotion and use it I'm not going to be a blessing to this world like I could be. Eights, they, they have like multiple spigots on that thing and they can just turn it off and turn it on at will. It's amazing and I'm jealous of that. But I shouldn't be jealous. I should be pursuing that as growth. Okay. We're done for today. Get it, get it done. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, get it done. Middle schoolers. Yeah.